Hey, Print Hustlers, Bruce from Printavo, Simple Shop Management Software, back with another episode here. Today, we've got a very special guest, Drew Dalton, out of Real Thread, out of, are you in Orlando, Drew, or are you outside are. of Orlando? Oh, you're in yeah, Orlando. Yeah, we're, we're just on the north side of Orlando. Awesome. Thanks for being able to join. We were just chatting about your dashboard up there on top that I was uh, fancying because it looked Love really nice. metrics, man. Love, love our metrics. You feel like you spend a lot of time uh, setting those up or, or just monitoring those KPIs? You know, the setup, uh, the setup definitely takes time. I think the thing that's important is to figure out like what is really most important. Cause you can, you know, like you can go crazy setting up metrics. I mean, technically we probably have 50 ish metrics that we measure that's spread across multiple teams. So each team kind of has their own metrics. I know we have about 50 cause we kind of pay per metric um, <laughs> for the software. So uh, we somewhat try to keep it, you know, keep it uh, to a minimum just from a, from a cost standpoint, but it's probably good. Um, almost uh, way to justify it or like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, way to what kind of tone us back and not go yeah. metric crazy, you know, because it then for forces us to, you know, focus on the metrics that are most important that we really want to measure, you know, in a visual way, um, in kind of more of a, like a real time way. There's certainly metrics that we look at just on a monthly or weekly basis that don't maybe need the visual representation that's more of like a real time, you know, kind of day to day metric needs. And that's where, you know, we take those into more like the visual, you know, updates automatically. Just mm. uh, So anyway, love metrics. Where did you get that guidance of creating a system, like the business system to help set that up? Because this isn't very common in screen printing shops, right? Of, of really creating those metrics and especially departmental metrics. We've been pushing on the book Traction, which they talk all about that and you meet on them weekly and you, you know, set the annual goals there. But where does that come from for you? Traction. <laughs> oh, really? You, you went know, through it too? Yeah, yeah. I mean, red, you know, red traction, scaling up, uh, the advantage, right? I mean, all three of them are very similar in terms of the core idea of what mm -hmm. those three books are really, you know, kind of talking about. And yes, I mean, five to eight years ago, those books were very, very foundational in terms of, you know, what, what I was trying to build at that time. Truthfully, like I often discredit my experience because I don't have experience ever working for anyone other than myself, to be honest. Uh -huh. um, I, I mean, I started printing in college and, um, and shortly after graduating went full-time printing. And, and so- What'd you study in school? Uh, finance and accounting. Okay. As cool as that concept sounds, right? Just like being an entrepreneur, working for yourself from day one, you know, there's, uh, I don't want to uh, devalue like experience and working in like a good organization. Sure. Um, and that's something that I never had. And so I missed out on that experience. Now I, I created a different experience for myself, which again, don't want to discredit and, and highly value that as well. But there's there's something really strong and, and really healthy about working like for someone else in a really solid organization. And, you know, the benefit that you can get by seeing that is like you see good business structure, you see, you know, how to lead meetings in maybe an inefficient, but hopefully, you know, in an inefficient way, you see how metrics can be used and how helpful they can be. So like, you know, working for someone else and being a part of another organization that does those things well can be so helpful. Again, I never had that experience. So there's a lot of things that we as an organization probably don't do well because, you know, I as a leader 
have never experienced those things sure. done well. You're just and learning so on the go. Totally. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, the way that I learned was reading, you know, read a ton. I read most of, you know, your kind of common popular business books. I mean, I've read and, you know, they're, they're sitting at home on my shelf and that's one, you know, one thing that I love to do is I love to just sit down and I love to just devour knowledge and then hopefully turn that knowledge into wisdom. So yeah, for me, it was, I got, you know, your question was like, where did you get the, you know, the business design, yeah, if you will. And for me, yeah, it was, it was reading, you know. So with that book, and, and this is totally off topic, because I wanted to talk to you about your new building and everything else. But this is very interesting, because we just don't do a good enough job as an industry measuring and being able to improve based on efficiency. And this is one of Printavo's whole goals, but we want to help push this thought forward. How do you be able to implement the KPIs with the teams? Is it that traction way of the weekly and or the monthly or quarterly meetings or, you know, and how did you determine those 50 were the ones that you wanted to measure? It feels like a well, lot too, but not, yeah. not that it's like bad, but it's, it's just like, wh- where did you start? And then how did you get there with that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and think about that too, probably spread out amongst, you know, five different teams in the company. Right. Um, and so, and then there's probably org wide metrics, right? So if you really kind of, div, you know, break that out into, you know, uh, say there's five teams plus org wide, there's six, right? There's six kind of buckets, divide those 50 among six, you know, each team, if you will, maybe they have on average eight, each team just kind of, they kind of figured out what they wanted to, you know, decided what was most important, you know, like how do they, I, I, I really like to look at things in terms of, um, efficiency and effectiveness. I think both are really important to get like the real understanding and the, like the real picture of something. You, I think you need to like look at both sides of the output, look at both the effectiveness and the efficiency. So for instance, let's just say, you know, we want to like get orders out on time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Getting orders out on time, that's a you know super important metric. And that would measure our effectiveness, right? We're seeing how effective are we with shipping on time? This should be 100%, right? But just being on time doesn't tell me the full picture because it's missing the efficiency component to that, okay? We were effective. Yes, we got everything out on time if we're at 100%. But the efficiency is what was the cost to do that? If we're not doing that profitably, well, then like, what good is it in terms of shipping everything on time if we're not if we're not doing that in a profitable manner right sure. so that's that's where you know the efficiency aspect needs to be like paired with that hey we are 100% on time awesome and we hit our labor benchmark we were efficient all right so that's where again like understanding to to measure one thing really well i think you have to measure both sides both the efficiency and the effectiveness Got it. That makes sense. And are you meeting with your departmental leads then, those managers on a weekly or monthly basis on the KPIs that are driven towards each department? Uh, I definitely meet with them weekly. I won't say that we cover like every metric on a weekly basis. Uh-huh. You know, some of, some of those are meant to be like a little bit more just self-managing and we'll have conversations with them at times, but you know, the, the management team, we meet weekly and we definitely go over like a good number of metrics on a weekly basis together. Um, and then I meet with everyone individually uh, as well, but on a weekly basis, I mean, as a, the management team is definitely going over, you know, a good, it grows and this isn't something I'm proud of, but like it, you know, 
some it, the list just kind of grows over time and it you know could be pruned back but there's probably a good 30 that we're looking at on a weekly basis Got um, it. amongst the management team okay interesting and then with that are you so you meet with them weekly to be able to go through all those metrics and afterwards individually is that more of the one-on-ones that you know you're doing every couple weeks or how does that work yeah one-on-ones are still are still weekly but Again, we, we won't necessarily touch on every metric. If something feels relevant to talk about, we'll get into it. You know, try to praise the improvements, uh, help correct the things that are not maybe moving in the right direction, see what, you know, what support I can give in terms of helping with those. But definitely not necessarily going over every metric every week. Got it. So I was cruising through your LinkedIn before, and I remember that you started that company Tab. Mm-hmm. Are you still working on it? If so, how, how do you manage two companies? I don't anymore. COVID killed Tab. Okay. okay. What so, was Tab again? It was something like HR rewards, right? Yeah, yeah. It was um, vacation benefit for employees. Okay. So it was basically, think of it like a 401k, uh-huh. but we were we were matching uh, contributions towards travel. Okay. So as an employer, we were helping employees save for travel. Okay. For vacations, if you will you know, it was a travel and vacation focused business and a, just the tightening of the economy through COVID and then B with travel and hospitality coming to a standstill, um, employers were very reluctant to contribute to employee vacation, um, at that point. So, so yeah, I really, um, I really killed that, you know, through COVID. So Tav is kind of a COVID casualty, if you will. (laughs) It wasn't necessarily COVID proof. (laughs) That's okay. I mean, it looks beautiful. I mean, you you guys probably have the best visual branding. I mean, I'm not as I'm not a consumer. I, I'm not fully aware of like how the the brand is and you and your community and everything else. But like visually, the site, the the social presence, the emails, the Facebook ads. I mean, it's on point. <laughs> like. It's done very, very well. It definitely emulates how, how you want people to feel. Is that done in-house? Do you, do you work with an agency? How does that all work? I appreciate the compliments. Uh, I don't see it quite as positively as you do, but <laughs> I probably, I, you know, I have pretty high standards. There's some that's done in-house, but there's a lot of partners. You know, we work with a lot of people that are far smarter than we are, you know, and uh, to really help us do a lot of things that we do. So that's a that's a huge effort by a number of people outside our four walls. And, uh, you know, from a marketing standpoint, we definitely lean heavily on partners. How is the sales flow through browsing through products and picking them and paying there? Like, do a lot of sales go through there or are they coming from, you know, repeat orders and, and just emailing directly your account reps? It's all the above, uh, you know, they, I, I, you know, maybe I wish they could say they all came in, you know, like one smooth, you know, path, but it's all the above. I mean, there's orders coming in online, you know, there's orders that will start via chat, um, you know, email, phone. I mean, you know, it's kind of all the, all the above and different customer segments will, you know, kind of order in different ways, but it definitely happens through a number of channels. Do you know or able to save necessarily the sales volume as a percentage from, you know, maybe repeat versus new versus online versus phone or email or any of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. We can, we can measure and, and know most of that. Yes. That's definitely, definitely analytics that we, we can, we have. I guess without going too deep and you can also just be like, eh, but 
like is it heavily through like is i guess what i'm asking is is there a lot that's coming through online is it more now from covid is it is it still very heavily like an 80 20 from returning customers or online is very new customer focused uh-huh. whereas existing will do a lot via email you know with their with their account manager so um, but online is is you know very good for new customers first interaction with us um, and wanting to begin that relationship. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I'm, you know, you guys are one of the shops that I, I, I feel like I've always tried to make it to around ISS Orlando. And, um, obviously that was canceled this year. It's so hard to tell about next year, even too. You were bringing up Long Beach earlier of which, gosh, it's so up in the air. I mean, do you think it would happen or maybe they would just postpone it? Well, what is Long Beach? I mean, four months out, basically, um, you know, four and a half months out. I don't know. It's tough to tell whether something like, I mean, I, I, especially with it being in California, I Mm -hmm. would say I'm moderately, you know, uh, bearish on the idea at this point, but who knows, man, a lot can happen. We've got an election coming up and uh, we'll see how, how things change between now and, you know, early January, but they'll obviously need to make a decision. I would imagine um, in the next three, you know, two to three months, right. just because of, you know, companies planning and travel and all that kind of stuff. So let's see. Have you guys had to change or do anything different since February, March time till now? Like a lot of the industry, I mean, we got crushed right away, right? When COVID happened, thankfully, we did have a pretty, pretty nice V, you know, shaped recovery here. Uh, again, certainly just, I don't know, you know, how it happened. Um, uh, again, I, I think it's a little abnormal, but um, we've certainly been blessed in that way that, you know, things have come back pretty nicely. Masks were a big part of that and, you know, and, and still are a nice piece of that. So luckily, you know, masks did well for us and helped us, you know, keep people around or bring people back. But yeah, I mean, we definitely had to, you know, we had to make our changes, adapt or die, right? And so thankfully we were able to adapt in some good ways. Yeah, 100%. You guys moved. Is this, are you in your new facility right now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when did that happen? What triggered, you know, saying, hey, we got to get out of this old space? Getting out of the old space was more out of necessity than desire. The building was sold. We were leasing the building, had, you know, phenomenal rate when we started leasing the building. What size was that? That old building? Uh, That was 15,000. Okay. So I had a great rate. Uh, I look back on it and the rate was ridiculous. <laughs> but I mean, we, you know, we put a ton of money into the building too. It was a great building. Loved it. It was down, I mean, right downtown Orlando. And, you know, at the time I really wanted that. You know, I wanted to be part of the downtown community. I wanted our team and our staff to be, a, you know, part of that young workforce. Um, just, you know, be able to walk to food and just be a part of the energy downtown. And the area that we were in was kind of a redevelopment zone. There was a lot of cool stuff that it was called Creative Village where we were. So there was a lot of cool stuff, you know, and development going on there that we wanted to be a part of. But the building was sold while we, you know, while we owned, while we were leasing it. And then, you know, the new landlord, he had a new vision for it, started to kind of change it around, try to repurpose it from just warehouse to more retail. And with that, the rate, you know, just kind of went up and up and up. And at the end of our term, we were paying three times what we were seven years prior when, you know, when we first started leasing the building. So, you know, with that, again, it just economically, it just didn't make sense to stay there. The hard part about 
you know, making a move for a business like ours. Um, and, and like a lot of the listeners is just the, you know, it's not like we're moving laptops and, you know, and uh, monitors around. Yeah, you know, like us. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Printavo, right? So the cost of moving is, is just astronomical, you know? Um, and Do you remember what us, it was for, or is it hard to pin down with, cause it's was spread over time? Yeah. I mean, it's um, well over a hundred thousand dollars, you know, mm-hmm. to move. Um easily and so at that point you got to kind of think about okay you know moving is going to cost me you know i'll just use um a relatively round number let's say it costs 180 grand okay to move set up you know set up the new building you know build it out how you need it screen room you know gas electric the power requirements are absurd for us right you know you get all of those things i mean there's it's just it's can be hard to find a good building and so let's just say it's 180 grand, you know, to move. Well, you know, you divide that over. I mean, like the break-even period on that is a long time. Like even if you can save five grand a month on rent, right? To save five grand a month, you're three years just to break even on that move. You know what I mean? Let alone the hassle and the headache of actually going through the move. The downtime, you got to like factor that in too, right? If mm-hmm. you're going to, you know, you're going to move, you're going to be down. What's your revenue impact going to be, you know, through that move? So you got to, you know, tack that on top of your 180 that it costs, you know, moving is a bear. And so again, it was more out of uh, necessity than desire, the move. Although again, I don't, you know, it's great. Love being in a new building. Um, still, you know, in a great part of town, we moved a little bit North, got more, you know, more space for less money, um, which is awesome. But you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, moving is tough, tough, tough. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So you bought this building and no, we, we still lease actually. Oh, you lease this one. So you were talking about the buying versus leasing. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the thoughts around that? For the longest time, I've kind of been of the mindset, like invest in our core business, uh-huh. um, not in the business of real estate. That logic makes a lot of sense in a lot of cases, okay? To let someone like focus on their core competency uh-huh. and you know, let the real estate be worried about you know, let someone else kind of worry about that, just pay rent. And then it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Um, Whereas when you own the building, again, there's so many other, you know, factors that kind of come into that. However, like that whole idea of like invest in your core business, not the real estate. I've kind of come around to looking at that in terms of that makes a lot of sense again for someone like you. Okay. Where you going into an office. Okay. Uh, there's very little like build out costs that you really need to do to like move into an office, right? right? You need internet. You need internet, right? <laughs> That's just about it. Exactly. So again, you know, the cost for you to like set up a new facility is very low. Okay. So therefore your opportunity cost. Okay. Like let's just say, let's say it did cost you a hundred grand to move. Okay. To like set up the new building. Right. You've got to decide what to do with a hundred grand, right? Do you set up a building or do you not? Okay. And, and mm-hmm. let's just say you couldn't. My opinion has been like invest in your own business, but if you've got to like with us, you know, with printers, you know, the cost of setting up a building is so high anyway, you're going to have to invest in the real estate, whether you want to or not for the most part, unless you get the credits or unless you get awesome credits, right? Mm-hmm. Unless the landlord will cover a ton of build out, you know, give you a couple hundred grand and build out whatever it's going to cost you. 
And then you just basically that amount gets amortized out over, you know, over the, the life of your, your lease, then you're kind of, you are stuck with a decision. Let's say, let's, let's make it easy. Let's say it does cost a hundred grand to move. Okay. And let's say you have the option of either a paying for it yourself all up front. Okay. Or B paying for it. Oh, you know, like having the, the landlord cover it. Okay. And then you just pay a little higher rent you know, rate over the period of the loan, right? Well, then at that point, like your, your real decision is, do I invest in the, you know, in the building? Okay. Basically the real estate, or do I invest in my own business? Right. Cause if you don't put the hundred grand into build out, you can put the hundred grand back into your own business now. Okay. And invest in equipment, people, process, you know, software, whatever it is. Right. So at that point, like you are making a decision, like what would I rather invest in my own business or the real estate? Um, and so I think that like, that has to be kind of considered. And truthfully, I've always kind of taken the approach of, I would rather invest in the business than the real estate from a leasing standpoint. But at some point there, you know, the buying decision comes in there where, you know, if it's going to cost me a hundred grand to build out a building, but I could buy a building for a million dollars and throw another million or throw another hundred grand on the, on the loan on, you know, on the mortgage, then let's say again, go in SBA, you can get, you know, 90, 10 financing. So to, to essentially get, you know, buy a building, a million dollar building plus a hundred grand and build out, I'm at one, one, right. You 90, 10, that deal on SBA, you can put down one ten in that, in that case. Okay you put down 10%. If the landlord will not give you the credits and you've got to invest the hundred grand up front to move into that building, right? Well, maybe for an extra 10 grand, right? Like the hundred grand, you got to come right. up, with up front, right? Then it could be yours and your, your payments are towards the equity of it. Totally. Totally. So if you can find a deal like that, I think it can make a lot of sense for, you know, for, you know, us as printers to actually buy the building because because of the upfront capital that we oftentimes have to put into the building just to make it operational for us, um, and and because that that you know that hurdle is so high, that's where again it can make a lot of sense just buying the building because for a very little you know for a little bit more money you could probably own the building and you know there's just a ton of security in owning the building. Now there's downside too, right? If you're in growth mode and the building doesn't give you room to grow. And a, you know, a lease gives you the flexibility to move so that you can handle the growth better. Again, there's other factors to consider outside the financial factors of owning a building, because again, it does obviously become a little more difficult to, you know, get out of, you got to sell it, you know? Um, so again, there's, there's pros and cons and they just have to be weighed. But uh, I think because of the large financial investment we often have to make to get into a building, buying a building should be highly, highly considered. What was your thoughts then when going to find it? Was it just this building was, you know, the best fit for you guys? And so you decided on the lease first, the buying aspect of it or? Yeah, truthfully, some of it was timing. To buy a building takes a lot of time. We didn't start looking soon enough because us needing to be out of our other building was sprung upon us a little more quickly. What what ultimately happened was there was a clause in our lease that let the let the landlord terminate early and he ended up executing that clause on us. So we then got put in a little bit of a tight spot. And we didn't have as much time to get out of that building as we would have wanted. And so that's where we ended up kind of getting put into a spot where just leasing made sense. It was, you know, it was faster. Again, that's another benefit to, you know, to leasing. It can be a little more turnkey for you. So 
that's why we ended up leasing this building. Um, I definitely have interest in buying it, but we'll see. I mean, we've already put a bunch of money into it, you know, <laughs> um, to move into it. And so the economics don't work out quite the same way. Um, trying to like buy it after the fact, but again, you can structure unique deals and, um, and how, how it's, how it works out. So although even though you're put in the bind there, what do you feel like are maybe some lessons learned that you picked up from the move from, from all this that just happened in a shorter amount of time that if somebody else is looking or thinking about the move or getting squeezed like that, you could be like, okay, okay, here, don't forget, you know, this, this, or that. I undervalued the importance of the building and the benefit that the building actually gave us. Okay. So again, go back to the Printavo example, right? Like one office to the other, you know, for you is probably not going to like be a massive difference, right? Yeah. I mean, like one office is kind of as good as the next. Like, okay. Aesthetically it can be a little different. Location can be a little different, but at the end of the day, your ability to work out of either office is, you know, is very, like, very comparable. Um, and again, it's pretty easy for you to, like, move and go, like, pretty quickly, go find a new home that is just as efficient, okay, at, for you to operate, operate out of. Whereas, again, with us, you know, with the setup that's required, the per, I mean, the permitting that we have to go through, right? Again, like, yeah. You know, your, your situation is so early, easy. Like what permitting do you need to go through to go like hook up a, you know, a monitor and Drew, a laptop Drew, to the internet, internet right? and bathrooms <laughs> <laughs> of which, of which some of these buildings, especially the older ones in Chicago have like no bathrooms in them because they oh, were yeah. built in the thirties and forties and you know, there was no rules around it, but, but anyway, you're right. Go on, go on. Yeah. So you know, I think I, I certainly undervalued the building itself in terms of the value that it was providing, even though we were leasing it, something as simple as a roof leaking or not <laughs> is sure. something that, you know, it, like is a real problem. And like our old building, the roof didn't leak at all. The new one, we've had problems. Um, and I like, that's not something that was like really kind of top of mind as we were looking at buildings. It's like, like we didn't have problems at our old building. So I wasn't thinking about having problems at a new building re regarding the roof, you know, but just the, the headache and the hassle that roof leaks can create, you know, luckily we're getting them fixed. And so hopefully that, you know, that problem goes away before too long, but it creates real problems, right? I mean, it can, you know, drip on product equipment. I mean, all, all that kind of stuff. So I think I definitely undervalued the built, you know, the building we, uh, for instance, to we like to run on natural gas, you know, we like to avoid propane. It can be hard to find a building that has natural gas nearby, you know, that's, you know, on, on a natural gas line. And it took seven months. We like today, we've been in the building for like five months now, but you know, mm -hmm. we had two months of starting to work on it. It's taken literally today, the, you know, last Friday in August, we are going to finally get natural gas hooked up. It's taken seven months wow. to get the utility company to the, the, the line was 15 feet off of our building. It was running right down the road. I mean, it was literally 15 feet off our building, but the gas company, um, they, they clearly have a monopoly on the industry because they care very little about customer service and making right. customers happy. The fact that they'll take it's just seven a cost months. to them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, 
And so, you know, we've been running propane, which is more expensive and we don't like running propane as much. So, you know, the idea, you know, just even this, the effort of going through and the cost that it, you know, we had to, now we're making a propane to get, you know, natural gas switch. Um, and there's a cost there, right? So, you know, we have uh, power. I won't even get into the power requirements, but many people have, you know, just the amperage that are, that is required to run flashes, dryers, presses. I mean, just everything that goes into it. Man, it's hard to find a building that has good power. That's my experience anyway, sure. is, you know, finding enough amps. Um, and if you want to try to bring in more amps, I mean, again, my experience, like the cost of doing that can be so, so high um, that again, that's money that, you know, we as, you know, the tenant in this case, we have to pay for. I mean, the landlord cares very little about like bringing in more power because what's the likelihood that, you know, that's going to be beneficial to the, like, that's not really going to increase the value of the building all that much um, is the way like a landlord is going to look at that. So the likelihood of them being willing to help bring in more power is very low. So do you feel like this is all like, if you would have went back, you would have just taken more time evaluating buildings or it was just like, and eh, this was the best one. It's just things that we just had to deal with regardless. I would just start the process earlier. Like before yeah. you, you know, before I needed to would just start the process and really, you know, just, you know, looking at area and timing and financial viability, all that kind of stuff of, you know, the move and a building. And um, I think I've probably looked at buildings, like probably a little more like short term than, than is really kind of helpful. And because, you know, we were growing so fast for so long that, you know, we were needing more space you know, you want to add presses and dryers. I mean, it's just hard. You need. What do you feel like is the right time frame then to look at? Like, were you looking at a five year and you're saying I should have been looking at 10 or? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just looking at a little more long-term like that, because the other thing it's hard. Um, but like when you really start looking at the building and running additional shifts, like if you want to just run one shift, right? I mean, you're going to be highly, highly limited from a growth standpoint, you know, whether you have room for two presses, four presses, you know, eight or 10, whatever it is, right? If you're only willing to run one shift worth, then it's going to get expensive. That, that growth, you know, that like to be able to print more, that growth becomes very expensive because then you're, A, you're buying more equipment, right? But then you also need more square footage, so, I mean, that's, that's at least the, the inexpensive thing is the lease rate, right? To just lease more space. The expensive thing is kind of the move, you know, and, and like moving your entire operation um, to move into more space. So running multiple shifts can be so helpful. We don't do it, um, but I hope, that, I hope that we do it when we need to instead of just looking for more square footage, we, you know, just trying to kind of maximize the square footage that we have and run multiple shifts because then you're not buying, you know, another press, you're not buying another dryer, you're not, you know, paying more rent or leasing more square footage or even buying a big, bigger building. You're just better utilizing the asset that you're already paying for. Why do you feel like you haven't gone that direction yet? We haven't done that yet simply because... I think the buildings that we've been in so far, we haven't maximized them in a single shift, 
we've been, you know, working on efficiency in a single shift and we haven't yet maximized that. Um, we are in, you know, now we're in 22,000 square feet, uh, depending on how we utilize it could give us a lot of, you know, a lot of square footage for more presses, which, you know, could, could give us a lot of growth, but um, there's still, you know, there's still a barrier there where we'll need to go to a second shift. But uh, again, we've been really trying to work on like, Hey, how can we get more efficient even on one shift and, um, and get more done from a growth standpoint, we haven't needed to go to like multiple shifts in the buildings that we've been in for an extended period of time. We've done it for short little bursts, you know, periods of times, but we haven't needed to for an extended period of time. Got it. Makes sense. What do you feel like keeps you up, Drew, just to wrap up and, and it seems like you got a lot of going on. I mean, well, first of all, how many people are at the shop now at Real Thread? There's probably 40 or so. Okay. 40 and two autos, three autos. We're actually just running two right now. Again, this is where I'm talking about, you know, been working on efficiency. We're running two right now uh, with a small little Diamondback L. So that's, you know, historically that's kind of been a, like a tag and label press, but you know, we'll throw other stuff on that from time to time, you know, sleeves and whatnot. So it's called it two and a half um, from, from a utilization standpoint though, it's probably like 2.1 truthfully. Sure. Gotcha. I mean, it's just, it, it's a lot definitely, but it seems like you've done a great job of departmentalizing, um, delegating, you know, at least from the outside, I feel like we can always improve on it, but what do you feel like now keeps you up that you're thinking about of trying to improve next or moving the company in this direction or what? Oh, there's so many things. There's so many. I mean, um, even just differentiation, you know, I think we have a lot that we could do there to really just, you know, find our place in the market. I think that was probably more clear five and eight years ago than it is now. And so really trying to figure out like what place do we, you know, really play, you know, or what place do we hold in the market um, is one of them. Uh, But like I said, you know, just efficiency. I mean, just really trying to focus on efficiency and, limiting headcount. Again, I love hiring people and love, you know, just bringing people on a team and giving them a great job and them loving, you know, being here and the stories that I hear about how people feel being here compared to other places. Like, I love that. But at some, you know, at a point too, like, hey, we need to focus on being efficient efficient Mm -hmm. and reducing the headcount to the minimum. Hopefully just revenue growth requires us to add headcount, not inefficiency requiring us to add headcount. So like at our old building, we were doing, you know, r- virtually the same amount of impressions as we are now, but we were doing it with three, excuse me, three big presses plus the little press. Okay. So we've reduced like our big press by essentially 33% from three to two. And yet we're doing, you know, just as many impressions now as we were at the old building. That's that, just from measuring better and, and the efficiency and the KPIs aspect or, or was it people or what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's training, it's, you know, just um, being staged and ready and just helping things, you know, just go up and come down and um, eliminating, you know, ink changes and whatnot, you know, with water base and discharge, the blank has such a factor, you know, and how that, you know, how that color looks. So, you know, just trying to get better about, you know, things coming up and, you know, printing and coming down, you know, we've done some great things in terms of help just getting more efficient and limiting the equipment that's needed and not just adding equipment just because it feels like it's the thing that we need to do. Like, Hey, how can we, how can we better utilize what we already have? Sure. That makes sense. Drew, 
This is awesome. I'm I'm so pumped to be able to make it down there at some point. Um, really want to be able to see the facility and just overall hang out. I think you've got a great mindset about running real thread and just like really being able to create an efficient, awesome business, not just for the people, but you know, for you, for, for family and for everything else around it. So yeah, thank you so much, Drew. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. It's, um, I, I honestly, like I do, I love what I get to do. It's a tough industry, but it's a fun industry. You know, like I am not, I'm not one to, you know, go into the office buttoned up suit and tie every day. And I just, you know, I love the fact that our industry is like a fun, relaxed, like casual industry in that way, you know? So I love being a part of it. It's a blessing. Really love coming, you know, coming to work every day and figuring out how to, uh, you know, get better printing t-shirts and, you know, just, and, and for me, like providing a better experience for, you know, our team, our customers. So I love it, man. We could talk all day. I will say one crazy thing, um, like our move. So we were, you know, we were, our lease was ending at our old building March 31st. Ordinarily, ideal March, time, March, huh? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Ordinarily, March 31st. Okay, like whatever. It's March 31st. But March 31st, 2020 was not like, you know, any any other March Yeah, 31st. that was the peak of, of, of just confusion and, and craziness. Yeah. It, it was nuts. It was crazy, crazy nuts. And again, like a lot of people listening, late March early April, I mean, we were getting crushed, crushed, you know, with numbers being down, you know, you've, I've, you've shown, you know, your graph and just how the order volume in Printavo dipped so much, you know, over that period of time. And so on top of that, trying to move and then make decisions of, okay, we were running, you know, three presses at the old building. Okay. So this is one of the reasons why we only have two presses set up right now. We have one completely torn down right now and we've sold another one do we invest the time and money into setting up presses that right now in late march and and april seem like they're going to be sitting around idle anyway you know Mm -hmm. so we were making decisions like in terms of the building i mean we cut back a lot in terms of just the build out that we were going to do and it was wait so did you keep it in storage or did you just live it unassembled somewhere yeah, yeah, we just—it's unassembled. I mean, we have you know a whole striker sitting out there, just broken down, and um, you know, uh, waiting to be either sold or put back together, one of the two. But yeah, we were making decisions in the heat of COVID in terms of what we do on the building. You know, right. what do we do? And we we tried to cut back as much as we could and and just save and can can you know conserve cash. Certain things are very difficult to do post move, so things like painting the floor. Okay, like really wanted a good like you know clean, you know, looking floor, because I think, I think, you know, a clean floor really sets the precedence for like cleanliness in the shop in general. So painting the floor is something that's honestly pretty difficult to do after the fact. So that's something where we still invested in painting the floor. Okay. Even, you know, even in the middle of COVID because we knew how, how difficult that would be to do later. But again, a lot of things that could be done later. I mean, we, we cut and kept things pretty do you wrong. Think, do you think that made you smarter or more frugal or cause what, so in the heat of that too, I was combing through like everything that we were doing, everything we were spending on, how could we help be more efficient in that aspect, just reduce costs that we didn't necessarily need. But I think it made us personally a lot 
smarter of a business. And I mean, you know, when things are growing, money's just kind of getting tossed to like, oh yeah, let's try that. Let's do this. Let's try that. Oh yeah, just buy it, right? Um, ship it there, go there, travel there, right? It, it, there's just so much happening. And then when it all slowed down, it was like, whoa, we didn't need that consultant doing this thing over there. Like, I'm not sure they were even doing a good job, right? It, there was a lot of things that that were exposed. Definitely. Uh, I mean, it was so helpful for us in that way. I mean, absolutely. To be able to cut back on, you know, non just real necessity items. Um, so helpful. And that's helped profitability the last few months tremendously. Mm. Do you know any, any rough numbers of, of what you found that were uh, like, holy crap, we cut out, I don't know, five grand or 10 grand or over the year? Or... Nothing jumps out at me, you know, in, in a big way, but uh, there's definitely, I mean, certainly uh, tens of thousands of dollars, you know, over the course of a year for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 We definitely had that too. It's almost like we all need to put on our calendar, like a good financial cleaning every year. Just like, okay, we're going to all take the, you know, we're going to be out of the office. We're going to all go through all of our books and we're going to look at this. We're going to highlight, you know, things that are like, what the heck are we sure? And, Big then, time. and then make sure to clean it out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, Drew. This is so, Drew Dalton. Um, you guys can follow Real Thread on Instagram. They have some really cool stuff. Are you on social as yourself? I don't. I, I don't. I was do just any about to social. say, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just chat over Slack and text and things. But <laughs> but um, you know, if you guys are ever looking for inspiration or things of of how really Drew's thinking about the details on that end, I know everybody's always critical of their own work, but I, I have to say it, it, it's awesome. So definitely check out Drew Dalton, realthread.com. Awesome. Thanks, it Drew. Is. You're welcome, man. Good to be with you.